Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. If you want to know how bad the debate was last night, and it was very bad, but I got to tell you, I disagree with a lot of the conventional wisdom about that debate. We'll get that in a minute. If you want to know, if you want to know how bad it was, all you need to know is that right now the drive-by media is glued to the courthouse where Roger Stone's going to be sentenced. Can you think of anything that matters less to anything in the future of this country than the sentence Roger Stone's going to get, because whatever it is, is going to be commuted or pardoned at some point. Everybody knows it. These people are so obsessed, they still can't figure it out. They, they're so obsessed with getting Trump that they've got this, that, that, that they're focused on this sentence that the judge is going to hand down Roger Stone since impeachment bombed out, since uh, the, the Mueller bombed out. They're hoping somehow that Stone getting a long sentence will convince people what a creep Trump is. It is, it, it, it's getting funny. It's been funny for what's scary at the same time, but it's it's getting funny and ridiculous. The media's obsession with fake news, with irrelevant news, they're just looking for anything to keep themselves engaged with hope that they can do something that's going to topple Trump. And after last night's debate, they know. Like I told you the day after the State of the Union address. And someday, folks... Someday when I when I get permission, I'm going to tell you the whole story of that day because it will it will explain how the Democrats don't have anybody that can touch Donald Trump I, in terms of achievement, in terms of accomplishment, in terms of standing side by side on a debate stage uh, in 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 terms of defeating him. They just don't have anybody with half the heart. Number one, but they don't they don't have anybody that that's even close to him in terms of personality and uh, the ways he has to get what he wants, despite all odds against him. And they just they're they're so obsessed that everything they've tried, which has always worked. Whenever they targeted a Republican, none of it's working against Trump, and they can't learn from it. They're continuing to try variations of their old weapons and ammo. And now they're camped out at the courthouse waiting for the sentence for Roger Stone, thinking that it's and, and, and that this non-story about Bill Barr and all these fake leftists acting like they are bipartisan DOJ officials demanding that Barr resign. Barr's not going to resign Barr does not have a problem with Trump. None of this is real. It's a, just a, a continuation of the fake news that got started with Trump-Russia collusion, meddling, and all of that. Great to be with you, folks. Rush Limbaugh here, as always, behind the golden EIB microphone. The telephone number is 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. Story I just saw, it has been... Um, I guess it's been no such yesterday, but I just found it. It's on PJ Media. You know how the Democrats, during impeachment, were making this major effort for witnesses because they wanted John Bolton to come up there. They wanted Bolton to unload on Trump. They knew after all of these years, after all of these things, Bolton was the guy that was going to take out Trump for him. And Chuck Schumer is still bummed that he couldn't persuade the rest of the Senate to vote for witnesses. Nothing is going their way. 
Now Trump is in California and he's embarrassing out there, embarrassing the Democrats. And he's doing exactly what I hoped he would do when I suggested last summer that he go out there. Well, here's the news about Bolton. And it is from yesterday. President Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, made a public appearance alongside Obama's former national security advisor, Susan Rice. This public appearance was at Vanderbilt University. For those of you in Rio Linda, it's in Tennessee somewhere. And you know what Bolton did? Well, you think it's funny that I have to point out to Rio Linda that Vanderbilt's in Tennessee? Well, it's the kind of thing they might not know. And a lot of people might not know where Vanderbilt is. They get a train track, for example. Uh, Bolton, standing side by side with Susan Rice, you know what he said? He blasted. He blasted the Democrats' grossly partisan impeachment against Trump and downplayed the impact of whatever testimony he would have had if he had been called. According to Bolton, the House committed impeachment malpractice. Wait till they, I'm sure they've heard this by now. This is going to infuriate them even further. They don't know how lucky they are that they didn't get Bolton called up there because he would have embarrassed the heck out of them, even more than they already have been. I saw this and I I just had a Cheshire cat smile. I just, because I know all of this. Uh, now, let, let's let's get to the debate last night. We got audio sound bites from the debate and um, a lot of reaction from the drive-by. The drive-by reaction to this debate last night is predictable. Uh, by the way, I don't mean to sound cynical, and I don't, I don't I don't mean to sound bored by it. I'm never bored by any of this, so so don't misunderstand any uh, any tone uh, in my voice. It's just. It's just it's so easy now to predict how the media is going to cover or not cover an event or a story. It's so easy to predict how they're going to be disappointed and when. I I, I don't know what their expectations were for that. Well, I do know what their ex- their expectations for this debate last night that somebody Somebody was going to rise up from this cream of the crop and demonstrate they have the ability to take out Donald Trump. And what happened is that it became obvious to anybody watching that none of them have the ability to take out Donald Trump. Trump can take himself out, and that's a long shot, but these people can't. Now you have to you have to imagine yourself. This is what I try to do. Imagine you, you know what I did last night? I'll tell you what I I haven't done this in years. We're on the plane coming home when the debate started. Debate started and that meant what? That meant watching huh, PMSNBC. And I haven't had PMSNBC on on a TV that I've had control of in years. But I committed to it. I committed to because so you when you watch a debate, you got to watch PMSNBC, and then you got to watch the aftermath of the debate. It is a different world, and I know it's a different world. But to see it, it's an alternative universe, folks. These people have nothing in common with you and me, nothing whatsoever. I'll give an example here in just the most recent news story out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Here, just a second. 
So I watched this last night, and I watched it trying to watch it as a Democrat. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how hard it is to imagine yourself a Democrat watching these people? I did it because I, I, I really wanted to see if I could immerse myself in this enough to try to imagine how your average leftist watching this would react to it. And I don't know that I was able to do that, because my reaction to this debate was that there literally is nobody on that stage or anywhere in the Democrat Party right now that can even occupy a stage with Donald Trump and survive it. There isn't anybody on that stage last night that has... The street smarts, the political smarts, the skills, the the unstated talents and abilities to stay even with Donald Trump, no matter what the subject matter, no matter what the debate topic. And even Trump tweeted he watched the debate last night and he said and he knew it was going to this is a worst debate he had ever seen which is which is classic it's the worst debate he's ever seen and bloomberg was the worst debater he's ever seen many mike bloomberg's debate performance tonight was perhaps the worst in the history of debates and there have been some really bad ones he was stumbling he was bumbling he was grossly incompetent if this doesn't knock him out of the race nothing will and then here is the tagline Not so easy to do what I did. And there it is. In a nutshell, Donald J. Trump, it's not so easy to do what I did. You know, the great make what they do look easy. Make anybody think they can do it. Even athletes. They're so natural at it that you think you can do it. You want to go try until you do. And then you find out if you're not naturally talented in whatever you're trying to do, you have no prayer. These people think that because Trump got elected, anybody can. Because he's outside of politics, it means anybody outside of politics. This is Bloomberg's looking at Trump ever since Trump got elected, and he is seething with jealousy. And this is what is really propelling and motivating Bloomberg. Because Bloomberg thinks he's the smartest guy in New York City, obviously. He thinks Trump's one of the stupidest and dumbest. And if Trump can do it, he can do it. And last night, Bloomberg demonstrated that he doesn't have the foggiest idea what he is doing. Let me give you an example. So Focahontas hits him on the NDAs. Were you watch? By the way, I need it. Were you watching the show I'm talking about? Okay. If you weren't, uh, let me check the audio soundbite roster real quick here and see if we've got Focahontas beating up on Bloomberg on the on the NDA. Hang on, just let me. Uh, pages are sticking together. Yeah, grab soundbite number 12 and number 13. This, this would have been so easy. This would have been so easy to nuke. Even I, 
Not a professional politician could have done it. So here we go, somebody number 12. This is Focahontas going Megyn Kelly on Bloomberg. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. (laughs) Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. Well, uh, here's the thing about this. Bloomberg is staring like deer in the headlight eyes. I, I watched Bloomberg. I said, everybody thinks this guy's brilliant. And, you know, I'm on record as telling you I don't think he is. Now, I'm not I'm not one of these people that's dazzled by wealth because I myself am. But, but I'm not at Bloomberg's league. Don't miss it. But I am not dazzled by it. I know so many people who think all you have to do is have a lot of money and you're brilliant and people suck up to them. I don't know why. Maybe they think they're going to give them some of their wealth. Never makes sense to me. But yeah, maybe Bloomberg's had to become expert at something to succeed at what he did. But but when it, when you get out of common sense and just plain old IQ, it isn't there. And last night. He, how do you not show up prepared for this? Well, I'll tell you how you show up not prepared for You think nobody can touch you because you're arrogant and you're condescending and you're conceited and you think nobody can touch you. You think nobody's going to be able to damage you on this because you can buy your way out of it. You can buy your way out of it in the media. You can buy your way out of it in campaign ads. And he didn't have an answer for it. There's one more bite here from Focahontas, because this is where Bloomberg responded to it. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. Uh, how many is Let me there? finish. How many is there? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. Yeah, they, they, well, they were forced to sign the agreement. Look, I, 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 my take on this is different than what you're thinking. I had to know this was coming. People can survive this. In American politics in 2020, people can survive this if they know how to do it. This is my point. Trump doesn't have any competition. Trump's line on this, yeah, I was just talking about Rosie O'Donnell, nobody else. Place erupts with laughter, and he dulls the knife that Megyn Kelly threw at him. But Bloomberg, well, I'm I, I, I staring with deer in the headlight eyes, and very few are not disclosure agreements. Well, how many? Well, I don't know. All he would have had to say. You know what it is? All he would have had to say is something like, I'll release all these women as soon as every member of Congress releases all of their NDA women. Do you know how many members of Congress have NDAs because of sexual abuse? It probably dwarfs. Bloomberg probably can't even dream of that number. And he could have blunted, but... but there wasn't any preparation for this. There wasn't any... Um, it, it's like he thought he would be untouchable. 
Uh, and you could probably think of other retorts uh, to this uh, that Bloomberg could have had. I, look, I, I don't think I, I have never thought that Bloomberg is going to be the Democrat nominee. And so I didn't go into this expecting him to dazzle any, but the drive-bys did. The drive-bys expected him to dazzle and wow, because they just looking for anybody that can wipe out Trump, and they're looking for anybody who can bury Crazy Bernie. And Crazy Bernie emerged as the big winner last night. Oh, yeah. Not even close, folks. Not even. Don't doubt me. Let me take a break. We'll be back. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Rush Limbaugh meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day. Now, I checked the email during the break, and a number of you have uh, asked why I haven't provided an update on uh, on treatment. Folk, this is a this is this is a, a tricky answer because there's um, well, there, there, there's two sides to this. Uh, one of the things that I have learned. In the short period of time since I've diagnosed, if you're not careful, this disease can take over your life. It can take over everybody in your family's life, uh, and it becomes all-consuming, which I don't think is good. I'm trying to avoid that happening. I don't want every day to become scans, blood draws, notes, records, phones, phone calls to doctors, and this kind of thing. I'm doing what's been prescribed uh, so far, it's working. I really, I really believe, uh, I'm running a risk saying this, but I really, really, <laughs> I really believe all of your prayers are having an impact. I cannot tell you how good I feel. The other side of this is that other people think that it could be inspirational for those also suffering from the diagnosis or from from cancer in their own ways. And that's true, too. So I'm caught in the middle. I don't want to live it. I don't want to I don't want it to overtake my life. It's a big enough part of it as it is now, as it must be. But I don't want to spend so much time. I don't want to keep everybody updated every day. It's just it's it's not comfortable talking about myself. I'm, I'm happier thanking everybody for all their ongoing support. And then the other side of it is the I know full well how inspiring it can be. Alex Trebek is inspiring a lot of people, uh, according to a story in the New York Post today. So to me, it's about finding a, a, a happy, a proper balance here, because I guarantee you. You could get sick and tired of me talking about it if I did. And if I answered as many questions about it as people are getting. So uh, bear with me uh, through all this. And I, I, I guarantee you, you will not end up being uninformed. We'll be back here in just a second. It's comical. It is literally comical. A drive-by media is glued to that courthouse waiting for the Roger Stone sense. Can you imagine anything more irrelevant Today, tomorrow, next, then the Roger Stone sentence. I mean, it's not irrelevant to him. Don't misunderstand. They just, and why? They're hoping the judge throws the book at Stone because that might convince people that Trump colluded with Russia. They still can't forget it, move past it. Now, the debate last night. I understand, look, it was comical. It was funny. It was predictable. And in terms of Bloomberg, he let 
he let an Indian squaw beat the tar out of him. I mean, it was, as you just heard, and I'm telling you, she's taller than he is, and it's a factor, and don't doubt me. How many ways? How many ways? What? What do you think? What are you looking at me that way for? He, he, an Indian squaw beat the tar out of Bloomberg. Absolutely. She said it. Not me, for crying out loud. I just listen to what these people say about themselves, and I go with it. She says she's one 2,000 Indian. Okay. She's a mom. She's a squaw. At any rate, how many ways could he have punched back at her? But he hasn't slightest idea how to. Why doesn't he have the slightest idea how to? Because he doesn't have to, and he fires anybody and everybody who gets in his way, who disagrees with him. That's the way he does business. Fine and dandy, but that's not how this works. He, he could have thrown so much at her on policy. He could have thrown the Indian stuff at her. This guy did the impossible last night. He made Biden look good. And do you know how it's over for Biden? Because none of them cared a whit last night about Biden. Judge going after Klobuchar. Klobuchar going after Judge. Biden trying desperately to get noticed. Uh... <sighs> Crazy Bernie trying to defend himself against whatever's going on with a culinary union in Las Vegas. I have, <coughs> excuse me, I've seen somewhere on the internet today. Some say that that Bloomberg should have hired somebody to coach him. He did. He had coaches. He did rehearse. He has been asked about these NDAs on television and radio interviews before. But I'll tell you what happens. The people that he hires to coach him, if they hit him too hard, he gets rid of them too. It's his modus operandi. He knows everything, folks. He's one of these people. He knows it all. He's not going to hire some lesser person to teach him how to do anything. There isn't anybody that can teach him how to do anything. That's his problem. He doesn't think there's a political consultant out there or a debate stage manager that can teach him anything. But he lacks more than stature. He lacks, it was obvious, his mind is not quick. He is not, he didn't even look to be in the moment. He had no humor whatsoever. The only thing he said last night that resonated was Crazy Bernie and his conversation about socialism, communism versus capitalism is probably the best conversation in the world to get Donald Trump reelected. He was right about that. But he can't laugh at himself. There's nothing self-deprecating about the guy. And whether you know it or not, Trump makes jokes about himself all the time. Trump is self-deprecating. You may have to know how to spot it, but he is. But when I looked at, at Bloomberg, and I understand I've never met him, I've been two holes behind him on the golf course. I can't tell you how many times you need a telescope to see him. Never met him, but he just doesn't seem to have, at least in that setting last night, any discernible personality. I mean, you've, you, if you're in this business, whatever you are has to jump 
out of people's TV screens at them. If you don't have that, and that's an it factor, if you don't have that in any area of media, be it television, movies, uh, drive-by media news, if, if, if you don't, just by your very existence, capture people's attention simply when their eyeballs are on you, then you're missing something uh, very important. And Bloomberg, to me, comes off as a little crabby. Looked like he really thought it was beneath him to even have to be there last night. But aside from that, where a lot of people looked at it last night, thought it was funny or thought it was great because the gloves came off and finally it was a real debate. There's a part of it, folks, and I would not be honest with you if I didn't share this. There's a lot of this thing last night that scared the hell out of me because these people believe this crap that they were saying. They believe every word of it. We look at it. Even today, I've been laughing at these people for 30 years, thinking nobody's ever going to believe whatever it is they're saying. And now look, there's 30 to 35 percent of this country that signed on to full-fledged socialism, communism. One lie after another, they have bought it. Some of the most inane, crazy, insane things people now believe. You and I laughed at them for all of these years. And people were laughing at them last night. And to me, there was a lot of it that is really scary. If these people ever get presidential power, and someday, you know, the law of averages, you just, you, you can't allow how silly and funny and comical they appear to make you relax. And even though it looks like there's not a one of them that could come close to beating Trump, you can't let that cause you to develop a sense of passivity and say, I don't need to vote. The turnout's going to be so high. These Democrats don't have a chance. Now, let me give you an example. Just a random news story that I happened to see before today's excursion into broadcast excellence began. And it's from Cambridge, Massachusetts. You know where it's at? You know what's in Cambridge, among many other things? Harvard. MIT. Skip Gates. Okay? Headline, New Cambridge, Massachusetts law bars police from arresting undocumented immigrants for driving without a license. Now, we've become sort of desensitized to this because this is the kind of thing that's been going on in California for a long time. But let's break this. What, what is this really? Undocumented immigrant, illegal immigrants, people in the country illegally in Cambridge, Massachusetts now will not be arrested for driving without a license. You will be. If you are a resident and you're driving without a license in Cambridge, you're going to be arrested. But an illegal immigrant will not be. This is a new Cambridge, Massachusetts law aimed at protecting those who are illegally living in the country from the grasp of ICE. 
The new law was passed unanimously by the city legislature. It directs the cops in Cambridge to issue a court summons to an undocumented person driving without a license instead of arresting them. Although the driver may be arrested for other legal complications if they're outstanding warrants uh, for other crimes. But even that is iffy. Now, folks, this is the kind of thing back 20 years ago when it was proposed that we laughed at. This will never happen. Are you crazy? But we should have seen it coming because this is the route to voter registration for the Democrats. In what universe does it make any sense to give illegal aliens, non-citizens, more rights and more protections under law than law-abiding citizens? In what universe does that make sense? In what universe is that even right? This is why... This is why there is such a partisan divide. And note who it is. This is the left. They love big government. They love the biggest government they can get. And now they are crafting laws in local communities to penalize their beloved federal government. And here's a pull quote from a city councilor in Cambridge, Quinton Zandervan. We need to protect our community members from a federal government that's out of control. There are no other reasons for the police to arrest someone. Give them a court summons instead, which keeps them out of the clutches of the Trump administration. So you see, it's all about opposition to Trump, but it's more than that. Anyway, this is the kind of stuff that while you you watch these Democrats on stage and you properly have a great time laughing at it, You have to remember, they believe that cockamamie stuff that you're laughing at last night. All right, now, see, this is where I laugh. The drive-bys are trying to act like the Stone sentence is a major, major problem for Trump. Okay, so what what did those, what do those ludicrous Trump-hating prosecutors recommend for Stone? Seven to nine years. Seven to nine years. And then when Trump and Barr move in, say, wait a minute, this is outrageous. They huff and a puff and they resign. And the media starts claiming, what a bunch of honorable line prosecutors, these guys. It's nothing but a bunch of Mueller holdovers. So, the judge hands down 40 months. For those of you real, Linda, that is three years and four months. Or six months, whatever it is. Three years. Not even to the bottom of the threshold recommended by the Trump-hating line attorneys. Seven to nine years. So here is a headline from CNBC. Roger Stone sentenced to over three years in prison as judge slams him for covering up for Trump. And the drive-bys are talking about how the judge made it perfectly sane that this Mueller investigation was valid and that the Trump-Russia collusion was a valid investigation and that Stone's paying the... Stone's got to go through some drug counseling or drug testing is a $20,000 fine. But this is nowhere near the minimum that the Trump-hating DOJ lawyers who resigned suggested. So the drive-bys are pick up the pieces trying to make it look like the judge is affirming everything. The Mueller investigation, the impeachment, uh, WikiLeaks, all of this. It, they, it, it, it's pathetic. 
It is literally pathetic. I mean, in the real world, they just got creamed. They're hoping seven to nine years. They want Stone to die in jail. And he gets three years and a few months. And now they're out trying to make it look like this is devastating to Donald Trump. This could be the end of the Trump administration is what they want people to believe. All right, let me get started on the on the phones. Adam in Orange, Connecticut, you're first, and it's great to have you. I'm glad you waited. Hello, sir. Hello, Rush. Thank you very much. Um, to get to the point, I'm sorry. I just wanted to edify the last segment that what I saw on stage last night was just complete hatred and disdain. Bernie's face, Warren's face. Um, and, you know, I edify this because the, the left-wing liberal, the liberal side, all they have to thrive on is people needing them. And what Trump has inevitably created here in the environment in the past four years is people don't need them. And they have nothing to run on but negativity and hatred. And that rallies the soldiers on their side. And that's why I think ultimately they're going to lose. They're going to lose big. I think that's exactly right. You know, that is, folks, this what Adam said here is so well stated, and it's so basic. There isn't anything uplifting or positive coming out of any of these people. Theirs is a politics of grievance. Everybody in America is a victim of something. Life in America is tortuous, unfair, disadvantaged. Focahana saying... When I am in the White House, I'll fight for your family. It's not your job to fight for people's families. It's the head of the family's job to fight for the family. It's not your job to fight for the family. But they want everybody to be dependent. They want everybody to feel victimized. They want everybody to feel aggrieved. And as such, there isn't anything positive. Contrast that to Trump. Trump is a can-do. Make America great again. And he has done it. So well, in fact, that Obama had to come out and endorse the Trump economy by claiming credit for it. So that really is a uh, good observation. There isn't anything uplifting. That's not how you build a winning movement. You can build a significantly sized revolution of grievance and anger and upset. You know, I've said this I don't know how many times. You go back to 1960... We're in the post-World War II boom, and Eisenhower's terms have expired. It's Nixon-Kennedy, 1960. And what did JFK, he said, hey, you know what? Things are good, and we can do even better. And then he started talking about how it's time to let the young people take over and make it even better than it is. These Democrats today can't even bring themselves to acknowledge when things are good for people, and they then can't even bring themselves to try to make things better. Because in their worldview, things cannot be better, especially when the Republicans in the White House. And so there really isn't anything infectious about them uh, on the positive side. Quickly before the break, I got an name. What do you mean Trump self-deprecating? I've never heard Trump make fun of it. Okay, let me give you an example. He does this at numerous rallies. He talks about bringing back the old-fashioned light bulbs. Remember we had to get rid of the old-fashioned incandescent light bulbs and get rid of these, whatever these new fangled things are. And I was always opposed to getting rid of the incandescents because they were great. They are. Trump says these new light bulbs that have been mandated, they're too expensive and they make you look orange. 
And then he laughs and says, I don't like that. Now, that's self-deprecating because one of the criticisms of Trump is that his makeup makes him look orange. And he does his own makeup, by the way. So don't think that Trump doesn't laugh at himself. He does. Does Bernie Sanders? No way. Focahontas? No way. Bloomberg? There's no way. And that just means, folks, that there's a segment of humanity that's not readily of present seeable in these people. And yet another exciting busy broadcast hour has come to a screeching halt. We have a break here at the top of the hour. We've got some some great audio sound bites of the president out in California and in uh let's see, it was in Bakersfield and in Phoenix, Arizona coming up. Uh, some fascinating polling data as well on the upcoming race and the economy and so forth. So hang on, folks, just getting warmed up here at the EIB Network. Greetings, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Rush Limbaugh here, executing assigned host duties flawlessly. Zero mistakes, and that's because I do the assigning. I don't make any mistakes, and I don't apologize. So it's easy. 800-282-2882 if you want to be on the program. Okay, let me tell you what a drive-by's are having orgasms over Roger Stone's sentence of uh, 40 40 months, three months and uh, three years and four months, which is really outrageous. It's a process crime. But the the judge is Amy Jackson Berman. She's she hates Trump. Uh, I I think who nominated her? She Clinton judge or she Obama? I I can't. It doesn't matter. she said in the sense, and this is why the media justice is holding out all hope that this may be what finally gets Trump, which is so preposterous. The judge said he was not prosecuted, as some have complained, for standing up for the president. He was prosecuted for covering up for the president. The truth still exists. The truth still matters. Roger Stone's insistence that it doesn't are a threat to our most fundamental institutions. Roger Stone threatening our most fundamental institutions is a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Obama, I knew it, had to be an Obama nominee. The truth still exists, the truth still matters, Roger Stone's insistence that it doesn't are a threat to our most fundamental institutions, Jackson said in a blistering denunciation of Stone in which she repeatedly mentioned dismay and disgust about his crimes. Do you know what he did? Do you know the essence of Stone? He tweeted congratulations to WikiLeaks after they started publishing the Democrat National Committee emails. And then they called him up. It was the big... I have to be real careful because I don't know Roger Stone, and I'm I'm really not trying to be uh, demeaning or critical here, but <sighs> pinning your hopes on getting Trump by going after Roger Stone um, is it's so forlorn and hopeless that it's comical. But such was the status of the Mueller investigation, that they had nothing. 
So all of these process crimes, crimes that occurred because of the investigation, if there hadn't been an investigation, Roger Stone would be sitting in 21 having lunch right now, hoping to be noticed. And then he'd be calling GQ and say, hey, I got a new suit. How about a photo display? I'm not being, don't misunderstand here. Roger Stone sent me a nice email last week. Don't, don't miss, I'm just, it's, it's a, it's a question of, Stone wasn't even part of Trump's campaign. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's so futile what they have here. I don't know what Trump's going to do regarding Stone's sentence, but you know what 40 months is, by the way? 40 months, besides being outrageously excessive, it's exactly, it's almost exactly the sentence that Barr suggested after he said seven to nine years is way too much. Now, wait till the drive-bys figure that out. Wait till the drive-bys figured out that Amy Berman Jackson went for Barr's recommendation or very close to it. Okay. I mentioned before the previous hour ended, there's some fascinating polling data out there. And it's interesting. It, it goes well with the scope of yesterday's debate. Let me look at calls that we have. You know, there's not a whole lot of reaction at debate last night. You're not getting much, are you? I think I may be one of the only people in this audience. Well, I'm not part of the audience. I'm a host. But I, how many of you watched MSNBC last night, the debate, and then the aftermath? I even watched... I even watched the aftermath. I watched I watched the PMSNBC post-debate analysis. Folks, it was like watching the Star Wars bar scene in English. It was it was it was better than the debate. Listening to how seriously all these analysts were examining everything that had been said. And there was a clear consensus that developed, and that is that Bloomberg blew it, and they were hoping for such great things. Most everybody was was entertained because it was so rough and tumble, they said. The gloves came off. The kicks to the crotch were happening all night, somebody said. I don't know about that, but... uh, at any rate, we don't have a whole lot of people reacting to it, but I'm, I had to, in the event some of you people wanted to know what happened, I have to be the one with the answer for you. And so I endeavored to watch all that. And I haven't had MSNBC on, it's been years. But juxtapose all that with this. Washington Examiner story by Paul Bedard. Trump takes 2020 lead 52 to 48 percent. All Democrats probably lose. This is a um, economist YouGov poll. And by the way, Cheryl Atkinson is out with you know the former CBS uh, news reporter. She's she's got a piece essentially saying that not a, one of these people can beat Trump. That that, that 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 as things stand now, there's not a soul in the Democrat Party can beat Trump, and it's not even going to be close. But this story by Paul Bedard, a politically resilient President Trump has pushed into the lead of the 2020 White House race, riding the public's good feelings about the economy and the view by voters that all leading Democrat candidates will probably lose. 
According to the latest election survey, 52 to 48 percent margin. Trump is leading the generic Democrat in the race. Now, you have to be careful about these generic ballot polls. Because everything changes when you put a name in there. And this is one of the tricks the drive-bys always use in election years to show Democrats creaming Republicans. They do the, you know, the no-name polls. They'll pick a name on the Democrat side and then offer just Republican alternative and the Democrat cleans up. When you add a Republican name, it changes it significantly. And this probably would be the case here, too. But I think if you add a name to this Democrat poll, the Democrats do even worse, which is why I think The Economist and YouGov did this poll with generic Democrat rather than a name. Because this poll shows 52-48. I think it would be even worse if it was, say, Trump versus Crazy Bernie, Trump versus Klobuchar, Trump versus Mayor Pete, Trump versus uh, Bloomberg. 52 to 48, Trump leading the generic Democrat, a significant margin for a president who just beat back impeachment to stay in office. See, there's another example. Conventional wisdom is dead wrong. They think Trump ought to just be barely squeaking by because he was just acquitted in an impeachment trial. What they don't get is that most people think all of that was bogus and uncalled for, and purely political, and frustration on the part of the Democrats because they haven't been able to defeat Trump any other way. That impeachment victory of Trump's was such a slam dunk, there's no wonder it's redounding to him positively. The latest Economist YouGov survey also found that most voters believe Trump will probably beat all of his Democrat challengers by at least nine. Percentage points. 19 percentage points. While White House officials are buoyed by the results and other polls showing a post impeachment surge, some told Paul Bedard, a Washington examiner, they believe the race is extremely tight and unclear. Due to the emergence of Bloomberg. Dream on. Bloomberg is not clouding the race. He's clearing the picture. Does anybody... Can I give you the lay of the land on the Democrat side right now? I don't know if the drive-bys are reporting this. I don't know how, how honest they're being. Right now, Bernie Sanders is unbeatable. Bernie Sanders is going to have a delegate lead after Super Tuesday that Bloomberg cannot buy... Or beat. If everything holds true the way it's lining up now, Bernie Sanders is going to, and and then the thing to watch is going to be, what does the DNC do with superdelegates? That's how they kept him from getting a nomination in 2016. It's not Biden. Right now, Bernie Sanders is sitting in the driver's seat. There's, there's, even though, Buddha Judge is leading in delegates right now because of the Hawkeye Caucus in New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders, the way things are lining up right now, is going to soon after Super Tuesday have an insurmountable delegate lead. And if, if Bloomberg doesn't do something about that, and last night did not get him off to a good start, there's no way 
This is still about who wins delegates, unless the Democrats change the rules and throw out delegates and say we're going to give the nomination to the richest guy. In which case, Crazy Bernie would come in second. (laughs) He's got three homes. Bloomberg has 11. Bernie doesn't have a jet. Bloomberg has three. Bernie has a little podunk little uh, fishing vessel. Bloomberg has six yachts. Well, five. One may be a dinghy to get back and forth from one yacht to the next, but... uh, But Crazy Bernie would be number two in terms of number of homes. Of course, we don't know how many Pocahontas really has. Because a teepee, you can can put one of those up anywhere. Hey, we are back. Rush Limbaugh meeting and surpassing all audience expectations. Everything. We grab a a couple of more phone calls here. This is uh, Megan in Baltimore. Great to have you. Hi. Hi, Rush. Thank you so much for taking my call. It's a privilege to speak to you. Um, in your opening monologue, uh, you said that you don't think anybody on the Democratic side can go toe-to-toe with Trump, and I agree with you. Um, I just I feel like every time I see or read anything about Tulsi Gabbard, I think it's a shame that, for the Democrats, that they don't, that they hate her so much, because she has qualities, I think, that make her appealing in the same way that Trump has qualities that make him appealing. He, she has no problem Standing up to what, what are these qualities about Tulsi Gabbard that you've... Now, how would you characterize them? I mean, because they really... You're right, they want no part of her. Hillary Clinton's come out called her Russian agent. Right. Uh, she would, She's well-spoken. Uh, she She's obviously a liberal Democrat. What is it about her that, that you think they don't like? I don't... I think it's the fact that she has no problem calling them out when they're being ridiculous. And standing up, like, not just jumping on the bandwagon because that's what everybody else is doing. And I also think that she is appealing in that um, she's not bitter and joyless like the rest of them. Um, And I think she could actually get a lot of Democrats behind her um, because she just doesn't drink the Kool-Aid like the rest of them. Well, but she hasn't. See, you, you can think she could, but she hasn't. She entered the primaries. She was in all the CNN town halls. I mean, she had... She had early exposure. I agree that she's very likable. And and she's, uh, unlike most Democrats, she's attractive, which may be a problem <laughs> for her. Uh, but she still didn't amass a lot of support. I think, I think it has, I, personally, I mean, yes, she didn't amass a lot of support. I think that um, the Democratic establishment uh, did what they could to squash her in the beginning. Oh. And I think that's un- unfortunate for her and for them. Um, and uh, and they wanted to push Biden, and they wanted to push Warren or whoever else they wanted to push, and it's just kind of backfired on them really bad. Yeah. And I think a lot of the Democrats are angry, um, especially the Bernie supporters, who feel like the establishment is telling them, no, no, this is what oh, you Oh, well, they're all angry. They're, they're, there's not a and Tulsi's not. The one thing about Tulsi, she doesn't come across as angry. The rest of them do. For example, do you know what Mayor Pete just did? Mayor Pete just demanded that Bloomberg pull out of the race because of his debate performance last night. Mayor Pete, who Bloomberg accurately characterizes as a mayor of some town. You didn't hear that? Oh, yeah, Bloomberg says a mayor. He's just a mayor of a town. He doesn't even rate my 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 
I don't, I don't need to think about the guy. He's a mayor of some town somewhere. I was mayor of the biggest city in the country. <laughs> he, not a debate. He didn't say a debate last night. This is in, uh, beforehand. But Mayor Pete, <laughs> Bloomberg has a duty to get out of the race. I've had people send me uh, emails. Would you expand what you mean by the Democrats don't have anybody and go toe-to-toe with Trump? I could do – folks uh, – to, to to accurately define what I mean by this and explain it, I would have to offer you some things I can't write. I've just some details on the on the entire day that led to Catherine and I going to Congress. This is the House Chamber for the State of the Union address. Uh, l- let me see if, if I can try though. And I'm talking strictly about personality. I'm talking about depth of character and heart, uh, confidence, the just an aura and an attitude that anything can be done, that anything can happen, and that there's no openness for anybody being negative about anything. It's a it's a personality trait. It's a character trait. And what is ironic about it is that uh, people who only have formed an opinion of Trump based on criticism he gets in the media cannot when you tell them that he has depth of character and heart, um, you lose them. They think Trump that the last thing Trump has is character. Think he's totally devoid. They think his his um, brusque, and he's an ogre. This is the public image of him that the media has trumpeted since he first got in the race in 2015. But when you get to know him personally, and I mean really get to know him, and you encounter the can-do, will-do, there's-no-way-we-can-be-stopped personality, then you realize how rare it is. There's, there's, if, if, if there's any self-doubt in Donald Trump, he will never portray it unless he's joking about something. And even when he's joking, he's serious. He is somebody that doesn't take no for an answer, but never manipulates you and never commands and never demands. You end up doing what he wants, even when you think you can't. But not because you have been intimidated or made afraid. Or it, 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 it's, it's hard to describe. All I can tell you is that The Democrats don't have anybody, and the Republicans don't either right now. There isn't anybody that can match up or compete with these human characteristics and personality traits that Donald Trump has. But I'm still not—I haven't zeroed in on it, and I would—it would be easy— if I could give you some details that I don't have permission to share yet about that day. But if I were able, you you would not have any questions about what I'm talking about. Um, 
So do your best to to believe what I'm telling you here. It's it's a it's a rare rare personality and character that Donald Trump has. There aren't very many people who could compete with it. Anyway, look, folks. I mean, one of the great ways to sum it up, Trump is just can-do. He's positive. He exudes confidence and leadership, has no self-doubt, does not let you have any self-doubt, will not tolerate you thinking you can't do something if he wants you to do it. I'll, I'll just give you one example, and this is, it, this is sort of out of context, and it's, it's not going to be fully explanatory, but on that day, we had no business being able to make it to Washington. On, on the day of the State of the Union, we didn't have any clothes. My transportation was not available. Doctors, I had a crucial surgical procedure at 5 p.m. that day. There was no way, there was no way in under the sun I had any business being in Washington that night. And I tried to tell the president this. And he agreed with me. Oh, yeah, your health comes first. There's no question. Look, I've cleared you into Reagan National. My guys are going to meet you. It'll bring you right here to the White House. If we need a tailor to fix the jacket, we got somebody here. Don't worry about it. I understand your health has to come first. What do you say to that? I've cleared you into Reagan National. My guys are going to bring you here to the White House. If you need somebody to fix a jacket, no problem. I understand your health comes first. Can't you just tell the doctors to do part of it, like right now, and then let you go later this afternoon? Well, it's not quite that easy. Well, what's his name? Um, and, and, and I knew nothing about the medal at this time. This was, I knew nothing about it. And it's one of the reasons he was so... Um, Insistent. But the point is, there was in his world, there was no way it wasn't happening. No matter what was standing in the way, it was going to happen. No matter what the objection was, no matter how sensible the objection was, no matter how sincere it was, no matter. <laughs> but it ends up happening because. You want to do it. <laughs> it's not because you've been commanded. It's not because you have been ordered. It's not because you've been intimidated or manipulated to show up. It's hard to describe. All I can tell you is there are so few people. Now, I understand he's got the power of the presidency, but even without that, he's this kind of guy. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's rare and I just can, I can assure you the Democrats, the Republicans either have nobody. Bloomberg thinks he can do it, and he's making a fool of himself. Now, speaking of that, the ratings are in for this debate last night, and they're big. They are big, and the reason for that is all the hype about Bloomberg and the rich guy. And I'll tell you something, folks. You, you, you really have to learn... To ignore the conventional wisdom. The conventional wisdom is that the Democrats destroyed themselves last night. The conventional wisdom is that crazy Bernie, he is leading the pack and he is leading the delegates. And by the way, one of the moderators last night asked every participant in the debate, do you think the Democrat with the largest number of delegates, even if it's not the minimum requirement, should the Democrat with the largest number of delegates get the nomination? Crazy Bernie was the only guy who put his hand up and said yes. 
because he's going to have most of the delegates. Super delegates, that's when the DNC starts playing games to try to get rid of him. My point about the ravings, with a lot of people tuning in, the conventional wisdom that these people look like fools last night, to you and me, yeah, but I'll guarantee you that there are enough disaffected, angry, aggrieved people who think they're victims are going to tune in and watch this thing last night and if somebody impressed them, you, you, you just, you don't count your chickens, you know, the old hackneyed saying. But whereas the conventional wisdom, even throughout much of the mainstream media is, in fact, let me give, let me give you somebody to this. We put together a montage. Uh, yeah, here, grab, grab number five. This, now, this is a montage of the drive-bys reviewing Bloomberg. And his performance. But the conventional wisdom is that this was a disaster for the Democrats last night. And some people say if the ratings were big, it's an even bigger disaster. But I don't think what I have learned after 30 years of thinking nobody's going to believe this leftist claptrap. And I've watched the number of people who do grow and grow and grow. I, I don't discount Anything. So this is about not long, 37 seconds, drive-by media experts shocked by how disastrous Bloomberg was. Bloomberg was awful. I'm sorry. The performance was god-awful. It was one of the worst performances. Bloomberg had a rough, rough go. They tore the skin off him. You have to call Mike Bloomberg the loser. He was definitely the big loser. This probably was the most expensive night in Vegas I've ever seen. He lost everything. It was a very bad night. An absolute flame out. What a disaster. It was an utter and complete disaster. He should have just stayed home. This was a disaster for Bloomberg. Bloomberg went in as the Titanic. Billion dollar machine Titanic. Titanic meet iceberg. That's Van Jones. You think they're right? You think you think they are right? You, you think in this case, conventional wisdom's got it right. See... Yeah, I know to I know to us the guy looked like a doofus deer in the headlight, didn't know how to do things, but he still got all that money. And people are still fascinated by that. Especially Democrats. You know, don't believe this garbage. Democrats don't care about money. <laughs> they care about money more than you do. And they use it to gauge their status. And so why do you think most billionaires in America are Democrats? At any rate, here is uh, Andrew Yang. Now, this is a guy. He's out of the race. He's a big climate change guy. He was telling everybody in the early debates, we need to move people to higher ground because of climate change. He was uh, on the CNN post-debate analysis. And somebody said to him, Andrew, you know this field the best. You know what it's like in that stage. Uh, what, what's your take on what happened? Number six, I don't three, think two, he one. was coached hard enough. You coach him and you have him give you 60, 75 second answers over and over again until he can do it in his sleep. And the fact that he did not have those answers at his fingertips lets me know categorically he was not properly prepared for well, this debate. Well, they say they coached him These, on all of those issues. So, and that he had extensive debate exactly with, with real mock debates with his aides playing all the roles of all the people. Okay, so how do you explain it? if they did coach him? And I told you they did. If they coached him, then then, then and if he, if he thus was supposedly prepared, then what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He doesn't believe the people who coached him. 
There isn't anybody that can tell him any more than he already knows. He is one of these personality types, partly because he has all this money. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and there's nobody can tell him anything. Nobody in politics can tell him anything. He's been mayor of New York, and he commanded you can't have a soft drink more than 12 ounces. He's the expert. He's the expert in how much sodium you should be eating, and nobody can tell him different. So, yeah, he went through the coaching, but it obviously didn't take. Here's more Andrew Yang as he adds to the analysis. Donors who are on the sidelines right now, frankly, getting phone calls from Mike Bloomberg saying, hey, sit this one out. I got this. And if you're a donor, not donating is actually a pretty appealing pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Bloomberg is calling donors saying, don't give to my opponents. Mike Bloomberg is calling donors saying, hey, just sit this one out. I've got this. I'll bankroll the whole thing. Uh, Just don't donate to anybody. I heard this from a major donor, a person who donates to a number of candidates ordinarily. Ah, don't you love that? He's calling other don't 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 donate to these people. I got it. I got a handle. And then they watched the debate last night. I don't think you got it, Minnie Mike. I don't think you got it handled. We'll see. We're, 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 folks, talking about Democrats watching a debate. When the conventional wisdom says that Bloomberg stunk up the joint, it's entirely possible that many Democrats watching loved him. Don't doubt me. I'm not predicting it. I'm not, uh, but I'm just telling you I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, when's the last time you believe the media on anything? Huh? Uh, who? The, the, Mr. Schnurdley is asking me if I think the Democrat base appreciated uh, Bloomberg talking about how he made his own money with hard work. No. No. They think the game's rigged. That that, that, that that doesn't impress them. If Bloomberg was giving it all away, like the Kennedys pretended to do, he uh, might have a little bit more. Uh, but that's, that doesn't impress them. Well, no, his best moment was when he told Crazy Bernie, your conversation about communism is the best damn thing to get Donald Trump elected happening on his stage tonight. That was his best moment. Uh, let's see, we got one more Doug Schoen. Doug Schoen has come out of retirement. He's been a Fox News political analyst ever since he got dumped by the Clintons or else. I mean, he left the Clintons, I'm sorry. But now he's back with Doomberg. Doomberg has hired Doug Schoen. So Doug Schoen was on Fox News last night. And the um, it was Mike Emanuel filling in for whoever. He said, hey, hey, Doug, give me a, give me a winner and loser after this debate last night, please. The winner tonight was Donald Trump. I mean, the Democrats forgot that the opponent is the president, not one another. No, they the didn't. The personal attacks wow. may have sounded good to some viewers or some ideologues, but the loser are the Democrats. If we nominate a socialist like Bernie Sanders, who doesn't accept capitalism, or people who believe in massive tax increases, we're going to lose. It'll be like George McGovern. It'll be a blowout, or like Mike Dukakis. Frankly, I was very discouraged with what I saw as a Democrat and as somebody who wants the party to win in November. Now, this is what I don't get. These candidates all hit Trump last night. They also hit each other. What the hell are they supposed to do? Trump's not the opponent right now. If you're Mayor Pete, Klobuchar, and everybody else the opponent, well, Bloomberg's the opponent, Crazy Bernie's, what are they supposed to do? They have to hit each other last night. And here's another thing. Doug, you have to forgive me 
The idea that McGovern's an outlier or that Dukakis is not. How come your party keeps nominating socialist outliers? Your party keeps nominating socialists. Obama was. Obama had everybody cowed. You can't have a bigger Trojan horse than Barack Obama. Obama gets elected 40% of the white vote because they want to end racism. They're tired of being called racists. And they think the best way to eliminate all this talk about America being a racist nation is to vote for the first black guy running for president. So they did. And then what does Obama do? Here comes massive Obamacare. Here comes all this big-time left-wing socialism. They didn't call it that, but that's what it was. There isn't a Democrat on that stage who's not a socialist. Bernie is a communist. But how in the world, yeah, I don't know, McGovern and Dukakis. Yeah, these are the standard bearers. The Kennedys were the same way. The idea that these guys are outliers is what's wrong. The Democrat Party is a socialist party. You can't, you cannot conclude anything other than that when the leading front runner is a communist. Crazy Bernie. How in the world do you say he's an outlier? Sorry, Doug, but, you know, the Democrat Party, when it had guys in it like... Uh, Oh, who was that old guy from Texas? Uh, John Connolly, and then uh, who? 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 Ah, Lord, not Lord. Well, Lord Benson, yeah, he was, but he's not the guy I'm thinking of. There was a standard old Democrat Party standard bearer. Can't think of his name. It'll come to me. But those days of the Democrat Party are gone. Mondale was a socialist communist back when look what he was talking about in 1984 when he was running against Reagan. The idea that this party is somehow some centrist bunch of, of, uh, of mild, peaceful, harmless Democrats is the j- biggest myth in American politics. I got to take a break. I'm way long here, folks. You sit tight. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Hey, look at this, uh, folks. This is from CNBC story. A, uh, and this is a survey of small business owners. And you know what small business? Small business is the number one employer in America. Most jobs are at small businesses, not corporations. Some people are surprised by that, but it, it's true. If you stop and think about it. 93 percent of Republicans approve of the job Trump is doing in this quarter, same in the fourth quarter of 2019. 93%. Eat your heart out, Mitt Romney. 64%. 64% of small business owners approve of the way Trump is handling his job. This is the highest approval rating for Trump among entrepreneurs since CNBC and SurveyMonkey began conducting this survey in 2017. 64% small business owners. This is responses for more than 2,100 small business owners. 64%. Here is uh, Marion Sparks, Nevada. Great to have you. How are you doing? Hi. I'm actually quite well. How about yourself? Very well today. Thank you for calling. Sure, and God bless um, you know what I was wondering is this whole Roger Stone thing. I watched it played out this morning on Fox News. And being that his sentence is three years, four months, do you think that the Democrats are going to use him as a vehicle for impeach a palooza, too? 
um, whether Donald Trump decides to pardon him or not, but to use Roger Stone as a vehicle so that they can impeach again? Eh, maybe. Uh, I know they're chomping at the bit. Uh, I, let them, my attitude on this, Mary, is let them try. It's, it's not going to have any impact. It's so overblown now. I think the Democrats, the best thing they could do is to just stop all of this investigation stuff as a means of, of – because it's, it's being counterproductive. They have made Trump more popular. They have made Trump more sympathetic. They have bombed out at every one of these attempts to get Trump via some sort of crime, misdemeanor, high crime, what have you. Um, so I don't think it would succeed. I think they would become a laughingstock. I think the media, though, would support it. That, that's, that's what would kill them. The media get fully behind it, try to make it look like the biggest scandal of all. And there isn't the biggest scandal of all. Not one of these scandals has panned out to anything except Biden. Biden has been hurt more than Trump by any of this. Son Hunter. No, 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 no. I'm not thinking of, of Scoop Jackson. There's a there's a it was a Texas guy. Bob Bob Strauss. Bob Strauss was the prototype Democrat when you think of what the Democrat Party used to be. Remember Bob Strauss? He was from the Hugh Scott Republican era and all that. But he's long gone out there now. Those kind of those kind of Democrats have uh, ceased to exist. We gotta take a quick time out back after this. Okay, so uh, what's this? Uh, Andrew Yang says that Bloomberg is calling other donors and telling them to sit it out, right? Does that constitute rigging the election? If, if, if one candidate is telling other donors to sit it out, that he can handle it, and you're another Democrat candidate, would you think that that is an attempt to rig the primary? Yeah, welcome back. You are tuned to the fastest three hours in media, the Rush Limbaugh program here at the Limbaugh Institute and the EIB Network. I am firmly ensconced behind the golden EIB microphone. Broadcast excellence meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day. Here's the phone number if you want to be on a program, 800 800- 282-2882, email address lrushboeibnet.us. Apparently, uh, President Trump's going to have some reaction to Stone's sentence. I, I, uh, CNN says that that's the case, and they got a microphone set up. It's uh, in Las Vegas, where the president is. And I would find that really, well, it, it, it'd be... Other things that he is going to be, he wouldn't just comment on the stone sentence and listen to announce a pardon today. Just <laughs> he won't do that because Stone hasn't actually been sentenced yet. Stone is petitioned uh, for to, for new trial, and if he's if he's get a, if he's granted a new trial, then this sentence will be delayed and delayed and delayed. So Stone's not going to jail uh, anytime soon, and the judge. Uh, Amy Berman Jackson, she went out there, she said, yeah, seven to nine years, the original suggestion, that, that, that was just way too much. So Stone gets three years and four months, which is 40 months, 
and he's uh, got a $20,000 fine. Apparently, he has to do some uh, drug rehab or counseling, whatever. But it's much less than was suggested by those wacko lying attorneys from the Department of Justice. The Mueller holdovers that were recommending seven to nine years. But CNN can't help themselves. Now, they've got this list of Trump associates convicted and sent to jail. They just can't give it up. It's amazing. These are otherwise, you think, smart people. You think they would figure out it isn't working. What is CNN? What, what is the media's objective, do you think? New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. What is their objective since election night 2016 and before, but since then, what has been their objective? It's not to do the news. Their objective is to get rid of Donald Trump, is it not? Their objective has been to overturn the election results of 2016, to aid in the running of the coup, the silent coup to get rid of Trump. They have been doing everything they can to Trump, turn Trump voters against him. And they have failed. And they have made Trump more popular than ever. They've made him more sympathetic than ever. His performance ratings, his job approval numbers are sky high. At what point do you think they might figure out that it ain't working? And to change course and try a new strategy? At what point? We had a caller last hour. Do you think if Trump commutes or pardons Roger Stone that they will impeach him again? I wouldn't put anything past him. I I wouldn't. If I were them, I would have seen the light by now. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, Trump is on the left coast. California, Nevada, Colorado and Arizona, I believe. In fact, he's got a rally coming up in where is it, Colorado Springs, and it, 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 it the people are lined up in four and five degree weather, and the drive-bys look at this, and the Democrats look at this, they can't understand it, and they say, ah, it doesn't mean anything. But yet, when Crazy Bernie drew seventeen thousand, did you see this, Snurdly? Crazy Bernie drew 17,000 to a stadium in Tacoma. Yeah, well, I'm the free beer. Uh, I think. Maybe not. Anyway, I want to I wanna play some sound bites for you for President Trump in California, Bakersfield, last night. I, I encouraged him on this program in June of 2019 to do this. Go to California in the middle of the... The Democrat candidates complaining about homelessness. Well, no. The Democrat mayor of Los Angeles was complaining that Democrat presidential candidates were not talking about homelessness. And I told him, I said, Mayor Garcetti, they ain't going to bring it up. It's a Democrat problem. They're not going to talk it. You better fix it. It's your problem because they are not going to help you. You can't blame this on Trump. So I said, Trump should go there. Trump should go plant the flag, not necessarily to win California, but to get started on rebuilding it. There's all kinds of openings in California, and the president is there. And in Bakersfield last night, one of the first groups of people there that he sought to show he's on their side is California farmers. On top of regulatory failures, California is not 
built any major water storage infrastructure since 1979, even as the state's population has increased by nearly 70 percent. Think of that. In the past decade, the cost of water increased by 127 percent in San Francisco alone and over 70 percent in Los Angeles. And you can't even get it. Hundreds of thousands of acres of once beautiful green farmland became bone dry. In our reforms and what we've done, one year ago, actually, we estimated that our farmers would have received enough water to support up to 850,000 additional acres of crops. Think of that. That's a lot of acres. And over 130,000 minimum, over 130,000 jobs. With today's actions, we will help bring farmland back to life. All of the land that I talked about before will be green and beautiful. Now, this is the kind of thing that is not going to get any play in mainstream media because it's boring. But this is huge because the president's exactly a stopping thing. Now, California is considered to be very progressive state, very ahead of the curve. These are the people that are hip. But look at what's the truth there. There hasn't been any major water storage facilities built since 1979, despite the population growing by 70%. That's just pure mismanagement. And it's all on the Democrat Party. In the past decade, the cost of water has increased by 127% in San Francisco alone, 70% in Los Angeles. And you can't even get it. These are the kinds of things, when you have as your audience a bunch of farmers, they're the ones suffering and paying the price because of this mismanagement. And so you go out, you plant the flag, you let this group of people know you're on their side and you understand what they're up against and you turn them into allies. Uh, Trump also did another thing I hoped he would do. He went out there and he hammered the Democrats on homelessness. You know, they always try to blame this on Republicans ever since Mitch Schneider and what's his name, Martin Sheen, all the way back in the late 80s and the early, yeah, it was all the Republicans' problem. They didn't care. They were cold-hearted and cruel. And yet it was the Democrats and their policies that created this stuff. And it's on display, San Francisco, Los Angeles. I really hope the president will go out there and hammer them, and he did. I think we can say, I mean, we have to work hard. We can pick up seven seats in the state of California. Seven seats. And I want to thank, (laughs) he said, get rid of Pelosi. That's okay with me. (laughs) A lot of people agree. Look what's happened to San Francisco. So sad what's happened when you see a slum where it's a slum. It's worse than a slum. There's no slum like that. What they've done to San Francisco is a crying shame. And it's uh, something that... We're going to do something about because if they don't fix it up, clean it up, take care of the homeless, do what they have to do, but clean up their city, the federal government's going to have to step in. We're going to do it in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Oh, yeah. The federal government's going to step in and fix it if the mayor and the governor don't. There hasn't. I mean, there isn't much of a Republican Party in California. There are some good people in it, and they're trying to be heard, but none of them have the voice of the president. So he goes out and says this stuff, and I guarantee you, 
Uh, it's inspiring. And now let's move to Phoenix last night during uh, Keep America Great rally. President Trump speaking about a 100-year-old Navy veteran, World War II, named Irvin Julian, who was carried to his seat ahead of the rally. They say he's a legitimate great hero of World War II, Irvin Julian. Irvin, thank you. to get a couple of hats and get some things and give them to Irwin right now. And I want to thank you. Really, that's a great honor. And thank you for the great job you've done. An American patriot. Thank you very much. And so what is that? That is a traditional American value. Celebration and honor of great heroes in the American military. Not impugning them, not ignoring them, not accusing them, like the Democrats have done in the Iraq War, accusing Marines of being terrorists and so forth. Simple execution of traditional American values. Donald Trump. Everybody's uh, everybody jumping on uh, on Doomer. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you care. I just found out that Andrew, move him to higher ground. Yang has been hired as a commentator by CNN. Oh, you knew that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, we're talk- getting the money out of politics. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, American greatness uh, has a piece. Eric Lendrum apparently. You know, Bloomberg is being vetted. He's getting a media anal. He's getting a media anal exam that he's never had before. He's getting a media anal as though he is a Republican. You know why? Because he ran as a Republican to get elected mayor of New York. Apparently, more comments have emerged by Bloomberg likely to create problems for him. The Daily Caller is reporting that Doomberg has been targeting transgender Americans. The comments are from March of 2019. Bloomberg criticized the Democrat Party shifting further to the left on social issues, such as the LGBTQ community, saying that if your conversation during a presidential election is about some guy wearing a dress and whether he, she, or it can go to the locker room with their daughter, that's not a winning formula for most people. Okay. Time out. Is he right or is he wrong? Number one. Let me read to you the comment again. Michael Bloomberg, March of 2019. If your conversation during a presidential election is about some guy wearing a dress and whether he, she, or it, that's what really ticked him off. It. And whether he, she, or it can go to the locker room with your daughter 
That's not a winning formula for most people. Doomberg further added that this and other issues constituted proof that Democrats are focusing on a lot of things that have little relevance to people trying to live in a world that's changed. So is he right? Nobody wants to. <laughs> Everybody's so scared of the transgenders and the LGBT. And nobody wants to even. Yeah, he's right. No, he's wrong. Nobody wants to weigh in on it. Well, the it word. Yeah, but, but, but I'm. It's it's a political question. He's simply saying here, if your conversation during a presidential election, he's talking, it's the Democrats, is about some guy wearing a dress and whether he or she or it can go to the locker room with your daughter, that's not a winning formula for most people. Most people. Is he right or wrong? Okay. Well, what happens now is he is being savaged here. He's being savaged because he's running as a Democrat. The stuff is all being dredged out of the the woodwork or the or the muck of Bloomberg's past, and he's going to have to have answers for it. Here's John in Buffalo. Uh, John, great to have you. Welcome to EIB Network, sir. Hello. Hey, hey Rush. Hey, Rush. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi. You know that. Uh Pete's having a problem with the uh, black community. I've heard that. I've not seen. I've, I've heard yeah. it. Yeah. Scuttlebutt. Yeah, I have a suggestion for actually two suggestions. Uh, he can either adopt a black child. That would be good. Or a second thing was he could divorce his husband and marry a black fella. Oh, this is helpful. This is real, real helpful here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you, Mr. Snurdly. Uh, thank you. So let me see if I understand this. You're seriously wanting to help Mayor Pete overcome an obstacle he's got with black voters. And this is predominantly going to surface in South Carolina after the Nevada caucus, right? John hung up. Well, I know what John's doing. John is simply taking past behavior of Democrats and applying it to Mayor Pete. I mean, can we be honest? There was a point in time where if you were a Hollywood actress... A proper accessory was an adopted black African child. Can we admit this? Madonna, a bunch of them did it. Angela Jolie, many times. It was an approved accessory for a Hollywood lifestyle. So what John and Buffalo are suggesting here is that if Mayor Pete, as a Democrat, is having problems with black voters... Uh, adopt a black child. Uh, why why divorce your husband to marry a black guy? Just the Democrats have an ongoing changing definition of family. Just Well you know I mean we actually have that audio soundbite of Michael Bloomberg and the LGBTQ comment. It was at the Bermuda Business Development Agency New York Forum. You know, Bloomberg has has a has a home in Bermuda, and that's where he spends most of his time outside of the continental United States. I mean, he's got homes down here, um, but Bermuda, I think, is his favorite place. And this is where he went, Bermuda Business Development Agency. 
And this is what he said about transgenderism and the presidential election. If your conversation during a presidential election is about some guy wearing a dress and whether he, she, or it can go to the locker room with their daughter, that's not a winning formula for most people. There you have it. And it is the word it in there that has offended Democrats. Nothing else has bothered them. Uh, Just the word it. I find that curious. Of all things in that statement to be it, here's Chuck. Chuck's in Tampa. Great to have you back to the EIB Network. Hello, sir. Hi, Rush. So I'm listening to our local affiliate here, 970 WFLA, and they're talking about a study that 30 professors and graduate students at USF did last night during the debate. They all wore monitors to see who got, which candidate got the most visceral, pure, responsive, uh, physiological reaction during the debate. And their results were 100% inconclusive, which shows you just how lost this party is and how unexciting all these candidates are. Well, now, wait a minute. Did you say it was college professors and students or just college professors? It was students. It was graduate students and college professors. Okay. Who got together to do this study last night. It was more than 30 of them. And they all hooked themselves up to monitors, and they watched the debates. And they didn't answer any questions. They just, you know, throughout the course of the debate. Yeah, it was the Frank the lunch thing. They register pro and yeah. con. Uh, heartbeat goes up. Heartbeat goes down. Urine fills up. Bladder fills up. Whatever. Uh, when they're watching this stuff, bowels fill up. Whatever happens, it, it, it shows up on, on the monitors. And what you're saying is that there was nothing conclusive? There was nothing conclusive. There was no clear winner. None of them were, got excited enough to show that any one particular candidate walked away with it. Are you kidding? You mean there there wasn't even a universal agreement about how badly Bloomberg did? There may have have been, but from what I've heard on the reports from it, on the radio and in the the small news blurbs that I've seen, um, it simply said that there was no clear winner. All right. Well, we'll have to. I, I, I need to get a hold of this. Get my hands on this. I need to study stuff like this myself. So you have 30 grad students, 30 academicians, elitists, uh, strapping themselves to this gear. They're not doing it for somebody else's survey. They're doing their own. And no clear-cut winner or preference from this debate last night. Now, measure that against what the drive-bys are telling you about last night's debate. What is the conventional wisdom about last night's debate? That Bloomberg blew it sky high. He may as well cram it, get out of it. He blew it. But not according to these egghead academicians. There's not even any agreement on that. That we know. So let's let's add to this. Grab audio somebody number nine. This is last night CNN's post debate analysis, and uh, Fredo Cuomo had uh, the punk Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia. He said, "Hey, punk, is tonight a step closer to beating Trump for the Democrats after what you saw?" No, no, 
Nobody, Chris, is going to go into our convention in Milwaukee with 1,991 delegates. It's not going to happen. Bernie is going to get at 30% in every one of these contests going forward. He is marching toward the nomination. His goal is he's got to have a big enough lead going in. So no You don't think he'll have a plurality? He will have a plurality. He needs a big one. Because if it's a close one, then I'm telling you, Milwaukee, you can burn the house down. Donald Trump will be eating popcorn, having a great time. So the punk here thinks that nobody is going to get the required 1,991 delegates to secure the nomination, which means brokered convention. Now, last night at the debate, uh, the candidates were asked, do you think at the end of this process, the candidate with the most delegates, even if it's not the minimum required, should be the nominee? Only Crazy Bernie raised his hand. Now, the punk is right. Crazy Bernie is is leading in the delegate battle right now, and he will continue to lead. Uh, if if nobody gets the 1991, some, the Democrats are going to do something with superdelegates. I don't know that, you know, every four years, one of the parties is said to be in such trouble that a brokered convention is is practically guaranteed. And do you know it never happened? We haven't had a brokered convention since, what, the 50s? And yet they keep talking about it. They keep dreaming about it. The rules are set up to prevent a brokered convention. And yet here are the Democrats acting like it's a, a foregone conclusion. Now here is F. Chuck Todd. He was a co-moderator of the debate last night. And he is asking Bloomberg, essentially, if he should even exist. Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? I can't speak for all billionaires. All I know is I've been very lucky, made a lot of money, and I'm giving it all away to make this country better. And a good chunk of it goes to the Democratic Party as well. Is it too much? Have you earned too much money? Has it been an obscene amount of Should you have earned that much money? Yes. I worked very hard for it, and I'm giving it away. Thank you. Should you have that much money? Should you even exist? Are you going to give it away? Yeah, I'm going to give it all away. I'm going to give it away. A lot of it's going to give it away to the Democrats. He's giving most of it to the media right now. He's buying all these ads. He's giving most of it away to the... uh, to the media. All right, uh, Debbie, Colorado Springs, you are next. It's great to have you with us today. Hi. Hi, Rush. Uh, mega prayers, first of all. And I just wanted to report in that what they're reporting on the Trump rally here in Colorado Springs. And one of the people, I guess people have been lining up since Tuesday morning, and they're camping out. They've got tents set up at the Broadmoor World Arena. And they said the parking lot was full this morning that you could even get in, and that um, one of the guys referred to it as the Woodstock of Republicans, or Woodstock for Republicans. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 we already, did. no, no, I did the Woodstock of conservatism in Fort Collins in around 1990. You might have been there. No, I wasn't, but that's what one of the guys who's attending, he referred to it as the Woodstock for Republicans, this rally. Well, if he wants to find an Eddie, but, but how many how many people are lined up there now? Do you think? Well, I have no idea because they just said the parking lot's full. I twenty five has been a mess trying to get through the area. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Uh, I've done that myself. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, it sounds, and they said there's red, white, and blue everywhere, Trump paraphernalia, and they said they have just never, one of the reporters said they've never seen anything like this in Colorado Springs ever. I'm, I'm damn well certain they haven't. Now, now when is the rally? Tonight? It's, yeah, it's this evening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and people lined up. And the, the Democrats continue to kind of discount it. Well, is it just these Trump voters? Uh, they're gone. They're lost. Uh, we can't, it doesn't mean anything. Anyway, well, uh, Debbie, I'm glad you waited. I'm glad you called. Great to talk to you. Thank you much. Must take a final obscene profit break here. We'll do that. Be right back after this. I tell you what the biggest problems that Democrats have out there, folks, and that is Trump fixed Obama's economy. So much so that Obama's now endorsing it. Obama's claiming credit for it. So, and now the Democrats, they're left to say that health care is broken, which is Obamacare. So Trump fixed Obama's economy. Obamacare is broken. That has to be fixed. The past four years have been nothing but a repair and an improvement over everything Obama And that's a problem for the Democrats because there's nothing to fix. The Democrats are offering solutions to things that don't exist. Therefore, the Democrats are trying to create imaginary problems in the minds of voters. Now, we got the numbers on the ratings for the debate. 33 and a half million people watch. That is a big number because the Democrats have barely been attracting two to three million for these debates. Now, why do you think that is, Snurdly? Why do you think 33 and a half? They, they wanted to see the rich guy. They wanted to see the rich guy. They wanted to see how Bloomberg would do. Now, the conventional wisdom is that Bloomberg blew it sky high. But do we know that? The way we look at it, yeah. The way the drive-bys look at it, yeah. But to conclude that Bloomberg blew it, you have to concede. You have to admit that people like Focahontas. And where's the evidence of that? You have to think people like Mayor Pete. People like Biden. And based on their poll numbers, not a whole lot of people do. So... Don't be shocked. Here, I've, I've mentioned a couple times that the, the best Bloomberg moment was when he lectured Crazy Bernie on communism. And here it is. We have two sound bites from the debate. Here's the first one. What a wonderful country we have. The best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax... Which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much. Yeah, well, and I pay all my taxes. New York City, screw Vermont. New York City, thank you very much. And I pay all my taxes. So here you have the socialist defending his three houses. The billionaire proudly bragging about his 11 houses. And all the taxes he pays. Then Hallie Jackson, a moderator, said, Mayor Doomberg, Senator Sanders has a proposal that require all large companies turn over up to 20% of their ownership to employees over time. You own a large company. Would you support what Senator Sanders is proposing? Absolutely not. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. 
We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. The audience boos. I'm telling you, folks, this audience booed capitalism. Do not make the mistake of assuming that nobody's going to fall for this crazy stuff because that's what the Democrat Party is, is crazy, with countless millions of people falling for it. Now, here's, here's Bloomberg, though, saying, well, that is ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries trick on communism. And yet, when he talks about China, he talks about Xi Jinping, the dictator, as having constituents that he has to keep happy. There's some weird people on this Democrat side. Okay, we got time to squeeze in another call. This is Brian, Traverse City, Michigan. Welcome, sir. Great to have you here with us today. Hey, Rush, thank you so much. Hey, I wanted to point out the fact that I appreciated Bloomberg when when Bernie Sanders was lecturing him on the fact that they need to change the tax laws. And the Bloomberg, I don't know if you caught it, but he said, well, you wrote the laws. You've been there for 40 years, and it really stopped uh, Bernie in his tracks. The tax law, you mean? You're talking about how long Bernie's been in Congress and the Senate, the House and the Senate? Yep, that, he, uh, that the tax laws had to be be fixed now because of uh you know it's helping the the rich and and he's and he's telling it to bloomberg and bloomberg responded with well you wrote the laws you've been there for 40 years and you've done nothing about well, you know it's fascinating that you say this uh because i did not hear that now i must admit i didn't see the whole debate there was a portion of, when i got off the airplane to get in the car uh i might have missed five minutes of it but even even at that, nobody is talking about how Bloomberg made mincemeat out of Bernie last night. The drive-bys are not. That's a fascinating thing that you caught that. Um, anyway, they're eating their own in this in this primary, which has got all the big wigs bugged. Anyway, folks, open line Friday tomorrow. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll see you next time.